the recording. Really a nice it's the, the the shift back over from Erevin is really it doesn't compare. Like it's just a such a different experience. Mm-hmm. Even just in the first couple of blot, it's just a really different thing. All right. Let's pick it up from Maceve Marzutra. Marzutra asks, so even though it seems like based on the uh the the quote two dots, the colons all over the page that were finished with the previous discussion were really not. So Mesu Marzutra Marzutra asks as follows: Hamapelas or Lishmoinim? Okay, so you may remember this discussion from when we learned Maseches Kisos. Hamapelas or Lishmoinim be'echad? If a woman has a miscarriage, or Lishmoinim be'echad? Right, we're talking about miscarriage, not stillbirth. Yeah, or Lishmoinim be'echad? Let's say, right, we know that a woman who has, let's assume, the maximum, she has a uh, a female baby. She has a right. She has a girl, so she has two weeks of tuma, and then she has sixty six days of tara. You may tara, so for a total of eighty days. Now, if she should afterwards have an, in other words, on the after the eighty days, on the night of the eighty first day, right? If she should have a miscarriage, beishamay poitrimikarb even though generally speaking, even a woman who has a miscarriage brings a carbon, brings a sacrifice, which is, um, which is intended for women who give birth. However, right, Beishamai says, and under these circumstances, you don't bring a carbon. Beishamai says, no, you're absolutely high. Because what everyone does agree that if she were to have the miscarriage on day 81, in the daytime, that she'd already... Uh, right, she's 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 no, she's just a, she's a free woman, right? She there's nothing binding her to her previous status of demetara, uh, which would generally prevent her from having to bring a carbon. Over here, um, Beis Hill says so too. The night, the 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 night of the eighty first, which is the essentially the halachic day, the beginning of halachic day eighty one. If she has a miscarriage, then she also brings a carbon. Meshami says no. So Amrulahem Beis Hillel Beis Shammai Beis Hillel comes to Beis Shammai with a with a complaint. They they have a taina. Maishna or Shemayim Echad Miyom Shemayim Echad. What's the difference between the night of the eighty one and the day of the eighty one? Right, the halachic day starts at night. Right, Im Shiva Lutoma says Beis Hillel Loyishva Loyilukarbon. If the woman were to see, let's say, blood, right. Let's say she would have some kind of uh, Nida experience or Zava experience on um, on the night of the 81st day, right? In other words, the night which precedes day 81, which is night number 81. If that were to happen, she would be Tame. You agree to that. So since she would be Tame, why should she be any worse off or any better off, I suppose you should say? In terms of carbon, she's equally liable to bring a carbon. She's no longer connected to her days of tahara, days of purity. So says the Gemara, like me, the Kaomer What's the difference between the night of day eighty-one and the day of day eighty-one? Shmamina or Urtu? Obviously, or means nighttime. Right, yet another proof says the Gemara Shmamina. So this is really the third solid proof that we've had that or means uh, means nighttime all the time. Okay, Meis the Gemara Yochel Yehenechal or Lishlishi. Okay, so some context. We're talking about a carbon shlaman. We know a carbon shlaman may be eaten for two days, but on the morning of the third day, it has to be burned. So says the Gemara Yochel Yehenechal or Lishlishi. I might think. 
that you'd be allowed to eat it on the second night, right? Which is the night which precedes the third day. It's the night part of the third day. But the halachic beginning of the third day says the Gemara Vidinu. It really makes sense. We know that zavachim, that other kinds of karbonis, are eaten for one day. And shlamim are eaten for two days. Just as, right, just as you are able to keep eating, just as you are able to keep eating the, um, the, uh, the other zvachim, the other karbonis for a day and a night, right? It's yoyim echad v'layla echad. So, so too, you should be able to eat the shlamim for two days and two nights, right? Shnei yamim v'shnei leilais. But if we say come, those of us who have time, remember to say karbanas in the morning. We know that it's only shnei yamim v'layla echad. Why is that the case? Says the Gemara. I'll tell you. Talmud loimar biyoyim zivchachem yeyachel. The pasuk says biyoyim zivchachem on the day of your offering it shall be in umimocharas, and the next day v'hanoisar ad yoyim. Right, the pasuk says Ad Yom until the third day. Whatever what is left over by Ad Yom must by the third day must be burned. Beoid Yom Hunecha. Right, only the word we, we darshan the word Ad and we read it as Oid. While it is still day, it may be eaten. But it cannot be eaten on the second night, which is halachically the beginning of the third day. Now says the Gemara and Abiyus Kasha Yachal Yisare. If you might say, okay, well, once I can't eat it anymore, I suppose it should be burnt. Yachal Yisare me Yad. I suppose right, it should be burned right away that night. Vidinu zvachim echam liyoyim v'layla echad ushlam echam shneiyom v'layla echad v'alahalon takev lachilas reifa afkan takev lachilas reifa. In the case of other korbanos, which are one day and one night, as soon as the night is over, you burn them. So over here. In reference to shlamim, which are two days and one night, at the end of the second day, you should burn them, right? As soon as you lose the ability, as soon as you lose the ability to eat them, you should begin burning them. Says the Gemara Talmud Loimar v'hanoisar mi besar hazevach biyoyim hashlishi beisisorif. That is that which is left over from the flesh of the carbon on the day on day three should be burned in fire. Biyoyim atosayrif yatosayrif belayla. You only burn these things, burn a shlamim during the daytime and not at night. Okay, it's exerus hakasuv. That's what the Torah decrees, and there's really um, no, uh, I imagine, no uh, logical explanation. That's just the That's just the way the the halacha works. Now, says the Gemara, based on that which the Gemara, the, the uh, Gemara, the Bryce we just quoted, said, it ought to be on the, or lishlishi, on the night of the third day, second night, which is the halachic third night, this too, a fourth source, proves that or urtahu that the word or means the evening. Shmamina, again, a good proof. Toshma, another proof. Or shal yoyim right? That means, presumably, it's very easy to tell using context clues, the night of Yom Kippur. Mispalol sheva, you pray, you david seven, right? You recite seven brachas. Umizvada, and then you recite vidui. Shachris, by shachris, mispalol sheva, you recite another, you daven another seven brachas, and shmonasrei. Umizvada, and you recite vidui. B'mosef mispalol sheva, mispalol sheva, mispalol sheva, mispalol sheva. The same thing holds true for mosef and for mincha. 
the Arvis, when it comes to my Riv Matsoyim, Kippur, Mispalme Ein Shmoneser. You you do a shortened Shmoneser, like we learned about Maseches Brachis. You do a, 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 a concentrated version of the Shmoneser. Right, because everyone's starving. So it says the Gemara quotes his ancestors, his, his father is saying, You have to do a full Shmanasra. Why? Because you have to insert you have to insert Havdala. Since you have to insert Havdala, it is necessary to daven a full Shmanasra on Matsayim Kippur. Okay. Alma or Urtahu. Okay, so we see quite clearly that Arshal Yom Kippurim refers to the night, the night before, the first night, the Konidre night. Says Gemarash Mamina. Oh, very good. That's a good proof. That's a good proof. Tashma, we're not done yet, right? We already have five proofs. The Tanya the Beis Shmuel. We learned. They learned. They taught in the base manager of Shmuel. Lately, Arba also Boyd Chametz. The night of the fourteenth, we check for Chametz. Laura Nair by candlelight. Alma or Urtuhu clearly, again, when our Mishnah said Arlar Ba'asar, it meant the night of the 14th. So Elab says the Gemara, oh, Bain of Huna, Ubain of Yehuda, the Kuli Alma or Urtuhu, both of Huna and of Yehuda agree. Right? Everyone agrees that or means the evening, right? Ravuna didn't miss. The, we have six different proofs, right? And five of them are from Mishnah's and Bryce's. Six different proofs, of course. So what's the question? Everyone is on the same page. Or means night in this context. The loy pligi, there's no machlekes. Marki asrei or marki asrei. The way they express themselves reflected the regional norms. They reflected reflected the colloquial term for nighttime in each of the places they came from. The Ravuna kru nagi. By Ravuna they called nagi, right? They say nagi, um, uh, which we thought before meant daytime, and that's kind of like a euphemistic way of saying the nighttime. In this place, they say, no, they say nighttime, right? They're comfortable saying nighttime. Now says the Gemara, So why didn't Artana just say the nighttime? And I suppose the same question holds true for Yehuda as well. Uh, for, excuse me, for Yehuda as well. Says the Gemara, He was using a pleasant, a nice way of speaking. They don't want to say night. Night's a little dark. Night's a little spooky, you know? I know, like the uh, some Lubavitchers, the Lubavitcher Rebbe doesn't like people to say the word deadline, like the word deadline because it has dead in it. So you shouldn't say deadline. So similarly, we find that the Tana decided not to say anything that would uh, invoke nighttime. Okay, the Rishuv and Levi. This is in accordance with the Rishuv and Levi. Don Rishuv and Levi. Oilam al yotzi adam davim begunim pip. Let somebody let one never uh, allow a davim begunim something unpleasant out of his mouth. How do we know? We find that the Tyra, right, wrote eight extra letters rather than say something that sounds unpleasant. Shanemar, for example, right in Parshas Noach, instead of saying from the pure animals, the kosher animals, and the impure, uh, and, 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 and excuse me, instead of saying right, instead. We said, right? So that is a whole eight extra letters. A whole eight extra letters. Right? Asher Eneno could have been totally removed uh, and replaced with Hatameya or the like. Or just Behema Tameya. Papa Amar Tesha. Papa says that actually the Pasuk uproots in one place nine letters. Shanamar. Ki Yibucha Isha Shaloyi Yet Hormik or Laila. 
the Pasuk says, if you have someone among you who is impure from a mikra lila, from an eternal emission, what do we say about him? Asher tahar, who will not be pure. So that's a very, very polite way of saying, instead of saying he's tame, he's impure because of a nocturnal emission, we said that he's asher tahar. So that's nine letters that are extra. Ravina Amar Eser, Ravina says it's actually ten letters. Why? Because Vav de Tar, right? Because the, the, the word Tar can be written either with or without a Vav. But in our Sefer Tar, it's written with a Vav. So that's it, right? But the word Tame is only three letters. The word Tahar with, 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 with a Vav is four letters. Without a Vav, it's three. So Ravina is pointing out in our Sefer Tar, it's actually written with four. So the Vav is extra as well for a total of ten. That's a very right show. Um, was uh, assuming, I recall, David doesn't show up and he's assuming that, that David had a nocturnal emission, so he's not, so he's, so he's Tommy, right? So therefore, he says, the, the Pasuk uses all these extra words to indicate um, that uh, this lesson that you're supposed to you're supposed to say things in a polite and uh, clean way, okay. Tanya the Meri they learned they taught in the house in the Beis of Bishmol. A person should always speak Beloshan Nakia with clean speech. Shari Bezav. When it comes to the Zav, when the Torah describes the Tumah, which is right, the ritual impurity of the Zav, Karoi Merkav, we describe the male Zav as uh, as his Tumah is described. His Tumah is described as Merkav, right? He's described as riding, riding anything that the Zav rides on. Anything that the Zav rides on becomes Tumah. Well, in contrast, now that includes anything he sits on, right? We just describe it as Merkav, things he rides on, right? Merkav and Moishav are the same Tumah. When we talk about Zava, we say that she, we only refer to Tumah, which she comes to by way of Moishav, by way of things she sits on. Why is that? Because Rashi explains it's inappropriate to talk about a woman riding. Women riding is a necessarily, it's a bit of a, a not so it's not such a modest position for the woman to be sitting in. And therefore, I guess they didn't know much about riding side saddle. Fine European women would ride side saddle. But that the reason they ride side saddle is because it was considered a, a little unbecoming. Yeah, little although, although it's uh, really not possible to ride side saddle on a camel. Oh, we're going to get to the camel in a moment. We're going to get to camels in a moment. So, um, Says the Gemara. Oh, all right. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, the point is, that it certainly wasn't. It wasn't the way for a woman to to ride. It wasn't it? Wasn't their hearts? Now says the Gemara like this, right? But Oimer, we find that the pasuk confirms us in this conduct. But right, You should pick, right? You should you should make a point of using clever language, and clever obviously means. Um, uh, 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 Making the right choice in how you speak. If he came behind me, I'm sorry, I jumped out. The pasuk says, "Vidas the knowledge of my lips borer malolu." So it really means they spoke clearly. Rashi says it means you should speak with beror. You should speak with clarification. You should remove any negative elements from your speech. So my why did you need two psukim to prove the same point? 
says the Gemara, you might claim, oh no, that's just the Torah. The Pasuk has to speak that way. And the Mishnahs, they don't have to speak that way. They can speak however they want. Says the Gemara. Right? In other words, uh, 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 I think that it's um, uh, that it's that it's uh, it's it's something that applies only to Hashem. Says the Gemara. We know that we, right? We, the Chacham, at least the Chacham, are instructed that they too should, like the Torah, use careful language, clean language. You might argue. And that's specifically when it comes to the Rabbanon, the Tanoim. You and I, we can speak freely however we want. So now the Gemara invokes. Right, that's that last passage to tell me that even you and I, even average Joes, we should also be careful how we speak. Now, says the Gemara, hold on. Is it really the case that there is no mention of a woman writing in the Torah? We just had it. We just landed. Rivka came with her maidservants and they rode on the camels. Right? Because of the um, the unsettling experience, right? Like exactly you described. It's not safe. Uh, the woman has to ride on the camel, right? She uh, she has to uh, she has to ride properly on the camel. She can't ride. I think Rashi, in fact, is specifically saying that there is no polite way for a woman to ride on a camel. It's too high up, and she has to ride. Uh, she has to ride in the traditional fashion. Therefore, it's standard practice, and it's not inappropriate. Okay, says the Gemara. Does it not say Moshe took his wife and his children and he had them ride on a donkey? That seems to describe a woman riding on an animal that's not a camel. Says the Gemara, awesome. <coughs> Over there, right? Since we were talking, right, the, the statement we made includes a mention of his sons, his children. So again, Orchu, um, uh, it's normal to use the language of riding, even though Moshe's wife presumably was either riding in a different way or not riding at all. Okay. Now the Gemara continues. Uh, this is, if I recall correctly, it's in Shmuel Aleph by Avigail. When Avigail seeks out, after Avigail's husband, Naval insults David HaMelech, so she seeks him out to make uh, amends. Here she is riding on a donkey. Because it's the nighttime, Right, because it was the nighttime, so it's not safe for women to be anything but riding very securely on the donkey. That therefore is normal. Be by the same alternatively, It's not nighttime uh, fear. That's not the issue. Right, she's afraid that she's going to be set upon by David, who was seen as a bandit at that stage in his life, and his men. So she also needed riding, I guess, so she could escape. Be by she's not frightened of David, but since she's up in the mountains, the concern is that she's riding to the mountains, and you're riding to the mountains, you can't uh, rely, I guess, need a, a sure footed uh, donkey to handle mountains. Okay? Says the Gemara further along this theme Is there indeed no mention of Tame in the Torah? Right, so 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 Right, in other words, what are you talking about? The word Tame appears many times in the Torah. What are you going to do with that? Right? In other words, you you gave some good examples of where the Torah goes out of its way to not say Tame, but how about all the times the Torah does say Tame? Ella kol 
Anytime it's six of one, half of that is the other, right? When it's the same amount of letters, essentially, it's not a big deal to, to go either way. So we prefer to use Lashon Nakia. Now, with the, with the obvious exception, by the way, of the cases we just mentioned, right? In the cases we just mentioned, the Torah is teaching the lesson that one should speak this way. But after the lesson is taught, so we don't need to do that. And then we only do it if it's efficient, right? We only do it if it's efficient. If it's going to end up taking us way off, way past the amount of words, the amount of letters that we need, we really need to use. So we prefer to use a shorter phrase. As if Huna said the name of Rav, Amri La, and some say Amr of Huna Amarav, some say that it's Huna Amarav Mishum Rameyer. They're actually quoting the great Rameyer. A person should try to teach his students the shortest possible fashion. And that's the best way to teach. Give them something short so they don't, I guess, so they don't uh, lose their concentration. Now, says the Gemara, is this really true? Is it really the case that whenever it's six of one after the other, when it's equivalent, we use the more polite phrase? So my understanding is that this is referring back to the case of Abigail. We could have, for the same price, used Rechebes Vyoyshebes. We, we didn't have to say Rechebes. We didn't have to say she was writing. We could have said she was sitting. I know it's true that we came up with a good excuse as to why uh, it was. it's okay in this case to say Rechebes, but still, we could have avoided it, right? Why don't you say Yeshebes? She was sitting. The Kamar Rechebes, and the Torah clearly deliberately chose to say Rechebes. Says the right? Actually, Reicheves is written without a vav. Since Reicheves is written without a vav, um, it actually would be one more letter to say Yoy Sheves. Okay. <coughs> now the Gemara is a story. Hanitri Talmidim. There were two students who were sitting in front of Rav Chadamar, so it was a hard day in the Beis Medrash. So one said, which literally means this sugya, this topic we just learned has made us so wiped out, we're like an exhausted davaracher. What's a davaracher? A pig, right? It's, it's a fairly polite way of saying a pig. We're like a wiped, a tired pig. The other one, he was expressing the same sentiment, but he said, instead of mentioning, even invoking a hint of a pig, he said, uh, he said, I feel like a tired out goat after that day in the base magic. And Rav from that moment on would no longer converse with the fellow who mentioned the pig because he said, somebody who talks that way, who thinks that way, there's no way I can have anything to do with him. Incredible. Um, there were two students of Hillel. Some say that it was actually in front of Rebbe. Um, excuse me, right? So in a much later generation, Rebbe is the speaker, the teacher, and Rebbe Yochanan, who's from the first generation of Amir Royim, is in the audience. And right, so there are two students. One of them is someone famous, either it's Rebbe Zakai or Rebbe Yochanan. And the other one remains nameless for reasons we're about to see. Had Omar, so one said, He had a question. He said, Why is it the case that you have to um, harvest grapes in a state of ritual purity? But you do not have to be careful to harvest olives in a state of ritual purity. So you see how he said it very well. He never invoked tumma, he never invoked impurity. He just said, You have to be pure for this, and you don't have to be pure for that. The other student said, 
right? He was less careful. He said, why can we harvest grapes in a state of purity, only in a state of purity, but we can harvest elves in a state of impurity. So Omar, so Hillel comments, or Rebbe comments, I am certain about the one who chose his words more carefully that he will be a teacher. He will be somebody who will make halachic rulings for all of Israel. And indeed, it was not much longer, long afterwards, that Rabbi Yechon and Zakai and or Rabbi Yechonon became great leaders in Klai Israel. So we see, again, the story illustrates the great importance of speaking respectfully and pleasantly. Okay. There were three Kohanim. What happened? They were talking about how much um how much uh of the of the uh of the lechem upon him they got, right? How much of the lechem oh they're talking about how much of the lechem upon him they got. We're just on Ahmed Bay's over here. Um sorry about this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm so yeah. Um, no, no worries. Um, we're just on Ahmed Bay's a little past the midpoint. A little past the midpoint. We're up to the story of the three Koyanim. Hanu Tulosa Kahani. Really just almost exactly in the middle. Hanu Tulosa Kahani, there were three Koyanim and they were giving out Lechem Aponim. They were giving out the uh, the showbread. And it seems like there were a lot of Koyanim present. So everyone was getting really, really small pieces. So they were complaining. One says, I got a piece that was like the size of a bean. And one says, oh, I got a kezayis. I got an olive-sized piece. And the third one says, I got one which is the size of a lizard's tail. So Budko Akharov, so as soon as he mentions an impure animal, Lato is like a lizard or a salamander. So we got suspicious of him. We're afraid that he's somebody who's not uh, who's not kosher. So but so they look into his yichus, they look into his um his uh, his lineage and oh there you go he's he's got a problem with his yichus. Says the Gemara, hold on a second, how can we do that? We have a general rule, which is that once we know that a kayan is in the habit of ascending the mizbeach, we know that a kayan um is somebody who um is somebody who participates in the avoida, right? Like these kayanim who are receiving um are receiving lechem upon him, we don't check into zichos, right? We say, okay, he's obviously a kain. Whatever other, we, we, we trust the system that it will flush out any kain who has a bad zichos. If we see him on the mezbeach, involved in the avoida in the temple service, what's the question about a zichos? There's no room for that. It says the Gemara like this. Right, don't say shemetz pesul that there was actually a true yichas problem. Rather, shachas pesul. His his behavior, his arrogant behavior, was the problem. In other words, once we found out that he's such an arrogant and inappropriate, uh, you know, person who's who expressed himself so inappropriately, so we 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 didn't they didn't want to let him work in the base of Mekdash anymore. But not there's actually a halachic problem with his status. Alternatively, shani hasam the ihu the ara nafshe. Right, he started the problem. He got himself in trouble. It was he who uh, who introduced the problem in the first place by opening his mouth and speaking disrespectfully. So once he opens his mouth, we check into zichos, and it did turn out that zichos was no. Okay, hahu aramo, kind of related story. There was a non-Jew, the havasolik veachil psachem yerushalayim. He liked. Lamb. He liked to eat roasted lamb. So he found out there's one way to make sure you get a nice meal of roasted lamb. 
every time and once a year. If you sneak into Jerusalem and pretend that you're a Jew, pretend that you're a Jew, and join the Jews, and you'll get some uh, some delicious lamb. You get some delicious carbon pesach. So says the Gemara, like this. Omar, he would say, the Torah says, no foreigner, no non-Jew is permitted to eat the carbon pesach. No uncircumcised person can eat. I get the best piece. What are you talking about? I get I get the finest lamb there is. So apparently lived somewhere near him and he hears him boasting about it. And he says, Have they ever given you the alia? Have they ever given you the tail, the fatty tail? It's a great part. He said, You know what? They have it, right? So he mocked him a little bit. He's like, Ah, you think you get the best piece of meat? You never got the tail. Now, now what's the trick? The tail is not eaten, right? The tail is burned on the mizbeach. The tail is burned on the mizbeach. So what happens? Kisalk is lost, right? So he says, Kisalk is lost. And tells him, and Next time you go there, right? Please give me some tail. Kisalik, next time he was there, right? Give me some tail. They said, Rabid, what are you talking about? Right? The tail goes to Hashem. Right? So right away he revealed clearly that he didn't know, right? He didn't know Mamish Khader. He didn't he 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 missed Parsha's boy, he missed Parsha's Vaira, he didn't know anything. So I'm relaying. Loy. Um excuse me. Amrulay, they said to him. Uh, who who got you? Who, obviously, right? They they started twisting his arm. They said, "Listen here, buddy. We can tell you're up to no good. Who told you to say that?" So he says. So he says, "Was that Rabbi He commits me. So Amru, my hi, my hi to come on. What is going on over here? What could Rabbi ben ben been trying to do? Obviously, Rabbi ben Maseir is trying to send us a message." They look into the guy and very quickly, it didn't take long for them to find out that he was a guy. And they put him to death. They said to right? They said appreciatively, thank you, right? Peace unto you, you live in the but your net is spread in Yerushalayim. Right, Rabbi Yudah ben Maseira, a real, true leader. He had his finger on his pulse, on the pulse throughout the country. Okay. Rav Kahana Chalash. Rav Kahana fell ill. Shadru Rabban Lebishu Abreder of Idi. So Rishu Abreder of Idi was sent to check on Rav Kahana's state. Amulei, they told him, Zilbadaik Maidine. Right, go find out what his, what his state is. Asa Ashkedrat Nachshay. By the time he got to his house, he found that Rav Kahana had passed away. So he's terribly upset, but he didn't want to be the bearer of bad news. He didn't want to say anything unpleasant. So Kari Levusha, he tore his clothing. Vahadra, because that's halachically required, because Rav Kahana was uh, the Gadol Atar, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, uh, so, but what does he do? Vahadra, um, he turns his robe around so that the tear is not visible. The tear is in his back. But he couldn't control his emotions. He's crying and he comes. Right? They say to him, "What are you? What are you? Doing? Are, you are you suggesting? It looks like from your from your state of mind, from your state of being, it seems pretty evident that he passed away." So I'm like, I know like He says, "Look, I'm not going to be the one to say it." Right? Who somebody who says bad news? He's a seal. He's a fool. Okay. And the same note, there's a person named Yechon Chakuka. Nafak the 
he went to a place called, uh, he went to Kiyosu, which is, he, went, he went out to the sticks, he went to the villages. So the folks asked him, how are the, how's the wheat harvest? Turned out that year the wheat harvest wasn't very good. So he says, Amulahem, Sayyam Nasi office. He says, look, the, the barley's all right. You know, he didn't, obviously, uh, he wasn't too happy with the wheat. The barley's all right. So Amulay, say Ubaser, Lususim, Ulchamoirim. Right? So they, they mocked him. They were like, he talking about barley. Right? Say Ubaser, Lususim, Ulchamoirim. How about you uh, go tell your barley to the horses and donkeys? The Siv, right? Now, this is barley. That's, that's animal food. The Siv, Asayim, Atevim, Lususim. Right? Um, right? Or, 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 I think the proper nikud is actually villa right? right? Villa rochosh. The barley is for livestock. Barley is not for people. So don't don't tell them this. they didn't they didn't either they didn't understand him or they understood him, but they said it's silly of you to bring up barley. Who cares about barley anyway? Right? Next time, if you want to do the shtick, you should say something that actually matters to other people. So it says the Kamara, well, come on, my havelila meimar. What do you want him to say? Kamara. He could have said last year's crop was very good of wheat. Or he could have said the lentil crop was very good. But one thing that he didn't need to mention was barley, because like we said, barley is animal food. Okay, I think we'll break off right here.